Well, good morning. I'm on the black mic, Jenny. We have this morning a uh, very special guest. I, I, I used to say a young lady, um, young compared to me perhaps, but one of our very own from this area, a missionary that we support here at the church that, that uh, <clears throat> we've known, we've known the family really since her grandma and grandpa moved here in, uh, wow, I'm going to take a stab at, say, the early 70s. And uh, Tiffany, come on up. Give Tiffany a round. Uh, welcome her here. <laughs> Tiffany Cold is one of our missionaries that we support, and she's going to share with us this morning uh, what's on her heart and her ministry. And uh, we just appreciate you being here. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Like he said, my name is Tiffany, and um, I did grow up here in Chewila. Actually, we lived in Summit Valley first, and then we moved down to Chewila. Um, and I grew up here in the Addy, this, this exact church. <laughs> so I was uh, the kid, like, running around the church, going down to Sunday school, but also my cousin and I would run the projector, you know, put the little papers on the screen, and it would go up on the wall. And I would always be in service and, and see the missionaries that would share. Um, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And I never thought, like, that I would be here one day, you know? So a lot of you, I'm going to just say something. A lot of you might at, later on in your life be standing up here because God will call you to the nations, yeah? You'll be up here sharing your stories and your testimonies of the goodness of God. Um, I would love to share with you this morning more about what God did. And we just got back from Tanzania, Africa. Um, but first, I want to tell you a little bit more about myself. Um, for those of you who might not know me, um, my name is, yeah, my name is Tiffany. My grandparents are the Friats, but also the Knutsons. I don't know if some of you remember the Knutsons. They came to this church. And also, my parents are Dan and Michelle Colt. So we lived here in Chewila, actually right next to Safeway, until I was a senior in high school, and then we moved down to Vancouver, Washington, which is like right on the border of like Portland, Oregon, because my dad got another job. So then from then on, we've been down there. Um, and I've been in Nicaragua. God called me when I was 24 to go to Nicaragua to be a missionary there with Youth with a Mission. I'm sure you guys all know what YWAM is, right? Um, and so I was working there for eight years with YWAM Nicaragua and serving there and there during the civil uprising and, yeah, just a lot of crazy things that happen when you're on the field. And then a year and a half ago, Galda asked me to come back here to, with, to YWAM Texas, Tyler, Texas, to get more training. So I took a Bible school, and then I just got done with my school of evangelism. And right now he's kind of transitioning me and shifting me to work as a missionary, still full-time, but in Texas, to raise up and train more missionaries to go to the nations. So I've been in with YWAM as a missionary now for 10 years. It'll be 10 years this September. So time flies. <laughs> so before I start to share, though, I want to share just a really quick video, and then I'll get into everything, okay? It's a two-minute video, I think.
So I was praying about what to share today and also, yeah, just how to share the story of like what God did in Tanzania. And something that God shared with me was a a picture um, of you guys as a church. So you remember like in the movies, like in the medieval times when the, they would go out to war, there was always like the few that would ride their horses out. And then there were the archers usually on the walls, you know, and, with the, and they would shoot the arrows out. So God was sharing with me how you guys, the church, are like the archers that stand on the walls and you're shooting your arrows, praying for the missionaries that are going out and they're out on the field. Because, because of your prayers what we can we can do what we can do like god can do what he can do on the field we can't do i can't do what i do without prayers from the church that's a reality it's really hard and as you know with your daughter on the mission field like when you actually know someone who's there like you realize like all the difficult things they go through <laughs> that a lot of times we don't talk about but because of your guys's prayers God was able to do something amazing in Tanzania on this trip. So that's what I want to share with you today. And I want to honor you guys because your prayers were really effective and they're so important to me, but also to all the missionaries that you support every single day. So um, let's see. So in Tanzania, we went to three different locations. So the first location was Bagamoyo. And that was really to partner with the pastor, Pastor Alfred, and like kind of like get our team, we went with 17 people to get us like used to the climate, stuff like that as well for the first week. And then we would go to the Unreached People group. I don't know if, I want to actually pass around this clipboard a little bit later. Um, If you would like to receive my newsletters, like in paper form, actually I'll do that right now. If you want to receive my newsletters and you haven't yet, you can sign up and that way you can stay like updated on what I do and yeah, what's going on. Um, so we went to an unreached people group in Africa that called the Daiso tribe. So we had been prepping and getting ready, getting our team ready. And so for the first week in Bagamoyo, we were doing work projects so we built, like you saw in the video, they were like digging. They are building like the foundation for water tanks because we, we bought two 10,000-gallon water, um, water tanks for them. And they have a church and a school for children, so they really needed water. They had nothing. So we did that. We built a fence. We um, put in like a cement floor, and some guys on our team built like a brick floor too also like for them. Um, and then my team like part of us, we're working with the children's ministry. And so it was really beautiful. We were working with children, little kindergarten um, kids. And as we were going through the week, we had different stories and like it all planned out. And then one day, one of my um, teammates, Joy, was like, Tiffany, um, God is really sharing with me and I feel like we should teach them Jesus loves me. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do that. So she ran back to the room and she was like writing out the papers because um, they speak Swahili, but we had a, a translator with us. So we sat the kids on the floor, and we were sitting in a circle, and she proceeds to teach the children, Jesus loves me. And as she was teaching it, and we started to sing with the children, there was a hush that just fell across the room. And the Holy Spirit came in with such gentleness that we began to cry. We began to weep. And God spoke to me that day because I was so concerned. I was in charge of the children's ministry team, 
with my friend Joy, and we were so, like, we had been praying, and we were so worried, God, how are we going to reach the Daiso? They've never heard the gospel before. How are we going to go next week, the very next week after that? And what are we, how, what are we going to do? Like, we have to start from scratch. Like, how, how can we share that with them? Because we've been getting training on how to work with people, they are Muslims, because they're from the Islam religion. Um, and so God spoke to us through that, and he's like, I want to move in gentleness to the Daiso. I don't want you guys just to show up and be like, yeah, Jesus is king. Jesus is the only one true God. And he taught us that that very first week, and it was key because it was a Wednesday, and then after that with those children and the teachers, they were so much more open, and by the end of the week they were crying and didn't want us to leave because God had touched their hearts, and he was touching our hearts too, but also teaching me and our team a very important lesson. So then after that we traveled um, north, we traveled, We had to travel two days to get to the Daiso tribe. And the Daiso tribe, we had just, they're on the Joshua Project, if you guys are familiar with that. So the Joshua Project takes down all, like, the, the tribes, the unreached people groups that have never heard the gospel, and they take, like, the statistics, like the population and how many people have heard or not heard the gospel. And so someone from our team, from YWAM Tyler, had gone on his motorcycle and gone out to the tribe last year, last, like, November, and took a picture of them. So that was the first picture that was ever documented of the Daiso tribe. And he came back to Texas, and he said, we have to go. These people need to hear the gospel. So then we took a team um, in May, the end of March and May, to the Daiso tribe. And so it took us two days to travel there. And luckily, we, well, we were staying in, like, this tiny little town, um, where there was a military base, so we did have electricity at the area, but it would go on and off at this little hotel. But it's only because there was a military base out there. And when we got there, they're like, you can be on this side of the road, but don't go on that side of the road, because that's the Tanzania military, and there's 2,000 soldiers out there. And we're like, okay. So every single day, we'd have to travel into the Daiso tribe by like a van. We rented a van, because we were a big team of 17 people. And so the very first day that we got there, and we had been praying and interceding, God, how are we going to, like, connect with these people, you know? And the very first day we got there, the pastor gets out of the van, because the first pastor from the first week, he came with us, the United uh, Methodist um, of Tanzania, Church of Tanzania, because they're going to continue the work that we started. And so he gets out of the van, and he's introducing us to the chief, because there's a main chief of the tribe, and then they have two sub-chiefs. So one sub-chief is like on uh, in charge of this side of the road and the other one is in charge of this side of the road and so he gets out of the van and he's like hey we we would love to um, buy some property amongst you because God we had been praying and say, saying God how are we what's a good strategy of how to reach the Daiso and God placed it on our hearts to buy a piece of property in their village so pretty crazy um, something that we hadn't even planned to do but we get out of the van, and, and he's introducing us, and he says, we want to buy a piece of property amongst you. And, and, the, and the chief's like, well, okay. His name is Abdallah. He's like, okay, you can do that. I just don't know if you're going to be good for our community. And the pastor said, I think we're going to be better than you think. So then he proceeded to show us the properties. We were following him on this little trail. And he climbs up a papaya tree, and he gets a papaya down for us, and he hands it to us as a sign of friendship. 
And the pastor looks at us and he said, that's a huge deal. He's accepting you here as his friend. So then after that, we, he showed us a property on, their hill, on a hill. They live in the valley. They used to live like on the cliffs, um, but then they moved like 30 years ago down to the valley. So we saw this piece of property with this big rock and two huge trees, and we said, that's the one. Like we all felt it from the Lord. And so we spent a few days on the property like praying and interceding and asking God, is this, is this what you want us to do? And God kept confirming over and over, yes, this is the one. So then we were able to purchase the land, one acre, that will be used for long term of reaching the Daiso. And once we bought it, the people were like, now you're part of us, you're part of the Daiso. And something that we didn't expect. Like they're accepting us into their tribe. So every single day we would play with the kids and we played uh, soccer with them and gifted them the soccer ball to the chief of the tribe and that was very key because then they saw that we were also giving our friendship to them. Yeah, and so then after that, every single day we'd play with the kids, and half of us would work the land by hand with machetes and pickaxes and, yeah, just our hands, like clearing the land because it was completely like a jungle. Um, And then half of us would go door to door and visit the people and, like, introduce ourselves. So the one day when I was going door to door, we showed up at this one house with these two ladies. And they were outside and they were sewing. And we asked, um, could we pray for you? And, and we were just talking with them. And they said, no, they didn't want us to pray for them. But it was also because they were in the, the time of Ram- Ramadan. And so um, we were like, okay, that's fine. And we go to the next house. And there was this older man standing outside. And we realized that he was deaf. And so one girl on our team, she, she can... Um, she was trying to speak to him, but he completely, he couldn't hear us at all or, you know, communicate at all. But he was like, come, like he motioned for us to come inside his house. So we step inside his house and we said, can we pray for you? Like, and he's like, yeah. And so I looked at my um, teammate, Henry, and we looked at each other and, he, and I said, Henry, I think Jesus wants to reveal himself. And he's like, I feel the same way. And so my other teammate, Rose, prayed over this gentleman and and then we, we were done with the prayer, and then our translator was, was talking to him. And then all of a sudden, it was as if time slowed down, because I was just standing there kind of like in awe. And our translator, Taku, was like, Tiffany, don't you, uh, don't, can't you see this? God opened his ears. He can hear me. Like, he was responding right back. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, I, it was so unexpected. Even though I felt like Jesus wanted to do something special in that moment, And what was so significant is that people, those two ladies that had turned us down the the next house over, were standing in the doorway. And so were children, and so was our bus driver. Like, the bus driver just came in, and I was like, oh, no, he's probably going to stop us. And I was kind of scared for a second, but he didn't. So it was like in the Bible times where people were like, follow Jesus, you know, and follow the disciples. And they were witnesses to, to Jesus opening this man's ears. And Taku, our translator, was able to say to him, it was Jesus who opened your ears today. And then he said, can you pray for my leg too? And so we did. But it was, it was amazing, and it was so unexpected. And, and we asked God, God, why did you heal this man, but you didn't do other healings? Because there's, of course, many people that were sick. And God said, because he opened the door to you, and that's opening the door to me in his life. 
So when we open the door to Jesus, he can do miracles in our lives. Just like when it says in the verse, I stand at the door and knock, and all we have to do is open the door. Um, yeah. One of the strategies that God gave us before we left was that someone donated um, audio Bibles for our team to take, 16 audio Bibles. Now, I've never done that before. I've been in mission for, missions for 10 years, have gone to India, um, working with Muslims in Greece and different places in Nicaragua, and we've done, like, physical copies of the Bible, but this, these tribes were oral tribes, oral languages. They can't read. And so we were able to bring a device, like it was in the video, it's called a proclaimer, it's like this big, and it's solar powered, so it flips up, and it, 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 does, it has a hand crank as well, so we were able to go door to door, and we were, we, whenever we'd push play to the little device, their faces would be like, wow. And one day, we were out a separate day giving um, out audio Bibles and just talking with the people. We were very strategic and like, listening to the Lord. Lord, do you want us to give it to this person? Because not, we know that not everyone's going to listen to it, and, and that's, you know, that's not very good stewardship. And so we were at this house, and these guys kind of had turned us down, but there was this girl sitting in the corner that I hadn't really noticed. And so I d- then we began to talk with her, and by the end we gave her an audio Bible. And then I'll come back to that story. So she receives her audio Bible, and it was a really good conversation. Um, we were clearing the land with the purpose of holding service on the property Easter Sunday. We didn't know if anyone would arrive. For some reason, God strategically placed our team in the week when they were having, or the month when they were having fasting in Ramadan, for one. And Easter Sunday was that following Sunday. So we were clearing the land by hand, working hard under the sun, few times I thought I was going to pass out. And we cleared um, a pr- uh, area below, like one of the big trees, and then we made a trail up to the other tree and made a children's area, and then a soccer area for the kids. And at first, that Easter Sunday, the kids came up first. They were our friends all week, so that wasn't surprising. But then slowly, their parents started to climb up the hill. And when I counted them, there were 180 people, Islam, Muslim people there to hear the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was in charge of the children's ministry that day, and I was going to teach. And so Friday, I asked the Lord, Lord, what is it you want me to share? I don't know what to share to these kids because, you know, they're completely Islam, and, like, you could easily start a riot in those kind of villages. So you had to be very careful. And the Lord that night, Friday night, shared with me in a dream what to teach. He showed me, it's funny, he showed me in front of a flannel board, and I grew up in, you know, Sunday school here at this church learning from flannel boards. And you guys know what that is, right, where you put the flannel up? Okay, so I saw myself teaching with a flannel board the life of Jesus. And I was like, God, you really want me to teach the life of Jesus? Because that's a really bold move. We hadn't said the name of Jesus. And, and I felt, yes, like it was completely in the dream. Like I saw myself with the different scenes teaching the life of Jesus. And it's interesting because we had uh, made like little story figures that we had been teach- using to teach the kids the first week in the, in the school. And I, had, I, was, 
I had taken the extra flannel with us. And I had the exact amount of flannel to make this different scenes of the story. And all day Saturday, like, for a few hours, we spent, like, sewing, like, the little figures on the, on the different scenes of the flannel board. And I had, like, a little moving Jesus to move him through the scenes and take off his clothes when they, like, strip him and everything. And a hundred kids, around a hundred kids, followed me up the trail. They almost trampled me. I had this little boy with his little arm around me and holding my hand coming up the trail. And I was so, like, in awe of God that he brought a hundred little kids to hear the story of Jesus. And so through my, with the translator, we shared the story of Jesus. And I didn't, I felt from the Lord when I had prayed, don't do an altar call. This is not the time for you to say, would you like to ask Jesus in your heart? Because these kids have never heard of Jesus before. And so I, I ended with like showing like a heart and how our sin, and I was talking about our sin, and I was ripping up the heart and making the heart dirty, and then how Jesus becomes our friend. He wants to give us a clean heart. And I prayed over them. It was very simple, but it was a very like first seed that was planted in their lives that day. And it was because of the prayers of you guys that 180 people from that village heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they showed up. So then that girl that I had given the audio Bible to was there. And so I asked her, I said, hey, how are you? She's like, good. She could speak a tiny bit of English. So I was like, have you listened to your audio Bible? And she said, yeah. I was like, oh, really? What were you listening to? Oh, I just listened to the whole book of Matthew. And I was like, wow. I'd given it to her on Thursday. She had Friday, Saturday, and she'd already listened to the entire book of Matthew. That's incredible. That's a miracle in itself that she's sitting there listening to it. So God is, is doing something in the Daiso people, and we didn't see a whole village come to Christ, but we did see seeds planted. And something that God was speaking to me as I was clearing the land by hand was he was like, Tiffany, sometimes we get to gather the fruits, gather the harvest, but sometimes we're down in the trenches and we're down planting seeds. We're digging holes and planting seeds. And then some other people will come later and gather the harvest. So we plan to keep, continue to go back to the Daiso. Um, and I believe that the Daiso tribe will come knowing Jesus and then take, and then they're the ones that will go out to the other unreached people groups around them. Um, so from the Daiso, we went to up north again. We traveled north to Arusha. And I know my message is like a little bit, or what I'm sharing is maybe doesn't flow very well because I'm just like sharing stories. But what I want you to see is how whenever we abide in God and we're listening to Jesus' voice, he, sh he gives us the strategy of how to reach that person or what to do and how to do it. So we were in Arusha, and we were working with another tribe, the Maasai tribe up there. And they're in the video, those ladies with the big earrings. Um, and one day we were going to go uh, house to house and give like little care packages to the widows. And it was pouring down rain. And it wouldn't stop. Like we waited, and we stopped at this little place, and we were waiting for the rain to stop, and it wouldn't. So then we just went out there to the little village where we were going to go, and the rain still wasn't stopping. It was getting worse and worse. And so one of the leaders from our team got out, and he was talking to this little boy. 
And the little boy ended up receiving Christ. He wanted to know who Jesus, he was like, what are you doing here in my, my, my home, you know? And he ended up receiving Christ. And then, so then we went back to where we had been waiting because it was just too rainy. It was, it was really muddy, really rainy. Nobody would have come out to receive us. And it wasn't, so we were like, okay, God, what do you want to do then? And we were kind of disappointed because we had these like care packages. We were super excited to do that. And we, after prayer, God directed us and he was like, go to the market. So we're like, interesting. So we get back in the van and the little boy comes with us because he's going to show us where the market is and show us like around in the market. This little boy that just accepted Jesus into his life came with us in the bus to the market. So we go to the market and it stops raining right when we get there. And we get out of the, the, the bus, and it's completely sunny. And, of course, it's a little muddy, but it was completely sunny. And people are out there, men and women, in the open air, just, like, selling their goods. And we begin to talk with people and pray with them, and they were so hungry. These are people from another tribe, the Maasai tribe, that don't know Jesus. And we were, we were talking with them through our translators, and we said, we want to pray for you. And they were so like, yeah, pray for me. And then they would, they, uh, they would come, like more people would come. Can you pray for me too? One of my friends was praying for this one lady, for her children, for her sons. And another lady was over here selling her goods, and she overheard it. And she came, and she's like, I really need prayer for my sons too. So people are hungry. And it's interesting how when we surrender what we are going to do or our plans, God gives us a strategy or directs us of what to do. And so I just, yeah, I just want to encourage us, like, as Christians, as believers, to continue to listen to his voice, to continue to be guided by him, to be a light wherever you are, whether it's to your neighbor, to your, um, your children in your home, wherever you are, your workplace, is just, just listen to his voice and do what he says to do. Just simple obedience. I wanted to share a little bit about the life of Saul, just to kind of wrap things up a bit. Um, but first, uh, the other thing that we did when we got back from Africa was we went to Kansas City, and I don't know if you guys heard of the SEND. Did you guys hear about the SEND conference that was there? It was a big, like, conference where they're trying to get Christians, the church, to be activated and mobilized in their local communities. So we were there, and we were working with the local churches. And um, I just want to share with you that 504 people in Kansas City um, gave their lives to Jesus. We gave 1,200 Bibles um, throughout the city. And we saw people healed and lives restored in Kansas City just a few weeks ago. And God is starting to do something in America. I believe it. I've been living outside America for, well, I lived outside for eight years. And when God brought me back to Texas, he began to place in my heart, like, a really love for my own country, but also to see this country come to the Christ. And so God is doing something in, this, in, the, in the states, in right now in Kansas City, but also, like, I believe across the, the country. They're asking people who would like to foster children, asking people to commit themselves to, you know, reach their neighbor. So it's all about just listening to God 
and doing what he tells you to do. And that brings transformation. That brings the kingdom here on earth just like it is in heaven. We're obedient to what God tells us to do. Um, so I want you to think for a moment of your life. When was the moment of your life when you were at the crossroads and you had to decide, I'm going to follow Jesus or I'm not going to follow Jesus? Think back. I know we've all had that moment, even though we've grown up in church. I did have that moment. I grew up in church. I grew up my whole life going to this church, and then when we moved down to Vancouver, another church, and then I went to college, and during my college years, I, I was trying, I said to God, God, I don't know for sure if you're real. I heard from my parents that I grew up in church, but I, and I had had key moments in my life as a child, don't get me wrong, where I knew God was real, but for some reason, I was struggling when I was in college. And I stopped going to church, and, like, I was drinking alcohol. I was, I had a boyfriend. I was doing just terrible things. And I was at this concert, and I, I was in the midst of people, like a ton of people, and I was just looking at the screen, and God spoke to me, and he said, Tiffany, this is not the life that I wanted you to live. And I knew in that moment, because I felt all alone. I was surrounded by people, and I was just, like, in this place. I, would, I was in college. I was so unhappy. I was depressed. I was working full time. And I f- knew in that moment that I had to make a decision. I was either going to continue in the life that I was living that day or choose him and follow him and do what he um, tells me to do. So I went home that day. I went to my apartment, and I poured my heart out to God, and I said, God, I choose you. And I accepted him in my life that day. And then a few months later is when he called me to missions. And it's funny because I knew from a child, like I was six years old, that I would someday be a missionary. I just knew it. I had a heart for the nations. I had a heart, whenever there was a missionary, I got excited. But there was that moment, that key moment, and I know that we've all had it, where we've had to choose whether we're going to follow God or not. And the same thing with Saul. We all know the story in the, in the Bible of Saul, Right? When he was on the road to Damascus, he was, who was Saul? Paul, yeah. What did he do before he was Paul? Yeah. The main persecutor of the Christians. He stood watching as Stephen was stoned to death, right? He hated Christians. He hated God. But God met him on that road. And God, and Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. But he had to choose that day whether he was going to continue in his life doing what he was doing before or follow Jesus Christ. So then after that, we all know the story that Paul later becomes a missionary, right? So I want to just turn really quickly to Acts chapter 9, if you have your Bible. Or, sorry, 16. Acts chapter 16. And we're going to read verses 6 through 10. And it says, And they went through the region of... Um, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. 
And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Go over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I love this story because they had a plan. They're, they're out there, like, you know, doing their missionary work and doing what they thought that God wanted them to do. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit, God, would not allow them to go into Asia at that moment. And it's really interesting because when you look at the map, you can see that they traveled around Asia, and then they go into Macedonia. And why did God want them to go to Macedonia? Because he wanted, there were people there that needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of those people was a woman named Lydia. And Paul met Lydia. She was down by the river. She was praying. And she was called like a God-fearer. And she was a prominent woman who sold purple. And she, and her, it says that she and her entire household came to, to know Jesus and to start following him. And then after that, we know the story that when Paul um, was still in Philippi, that same town, that he gets thrown in jail. Do you remember that story? And then um, he was in there, and there was this earthquake, and then the soldier was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to kill myself because he was scared like, he, that they are going to kill him because the prisoners, the, the gates had opened. And, and Paul and Silas were like, no, don't do that. And then they were able to share the gospel with this, this guard, and his entire household came to know Jesus Christ. And when it says household... Um, in that time, it was normally somebody who was like the owner of the, the house, but kind of like a patriarch of the family. But not only his children and grandchildren and, you know, their spouses, but also like usually the slaves in their household. So it was all these people, maybe 15 or 20, that came to know Jesus that day. And so what I want to say with all of that is the same as before. As we're abiding in Jesus as we're hearing from his voice and asking him, God, what do you want me to do in living with open hands and not holding on to something too tightly? He gives us the strategy and directs our lives. But we can either stay there and be like, oh, that's cool. Or we could step out and be obedient, right? And we could do this in everyday life. This is not something that missionaries need to do or... Yeah, you guys do it every day. The fact that you were there out in the park worshiping God out in Chuila, it was Chuila, right? That is bringing the kingdom to, to Chuila, to our community. That's amazing. So when God, whenever God gives you a strategy like that, when you're obedient, that's when the miracles happen, right? That's when you see your neighbor come to Jesus. That's when you see people getting healed because you're obedient, because of your obedience, I believe that God has a, like, this area is one of the most beautiful areas I've ever seen in my entire life. And I don't say that just because I grew up here. I've been to other nations and other places, but still, this place takes my breath away every time. And God has beautiful people in this place that he wants, that he's using, and he wants to continue to use. 
I love, like, whenever I come here, my grandpa, Friat, I don't know if you know him, but he just passed away last August. And it was just very sweet. The church, the Summit Valley Church, because my grandparents were in, um, in that church, they're bringing us food every day and just, like, showering us with food. And I, th- in that moment, I felt the love on the receiving end of the church, if that makes sense. Because as a missionary, I'm the one usually out there, like, helping the people and, like, you know, I always worked in really impoverished areas, so 24-7 we're helping people. But I just felt so loved and appreciated and cared for by the church. And what you guys do in doing that for each other, that is the church, and that's bringing God's kingdom here on earth just like it is in heaven. Right? So just some key points or principles that I wanted to highlight today was, number one, God speaks. Right? Amen? We know that. God speaks. He's the same yesterday, today, and he'll be forever. The next one is that we need to listen. And we need to surrender our own plans, my own ways, the way that I want to do things. And then the next one is that we just need to obey. We need to activate our faith and just step out and do what he calls us to do. So I just wanted to take a moment um, and just, let's just take a few minutes and ask God, God, what is my mission field? Is it my workplace? Is it my school? Is it my home? Is it my children? As a mother, that's our first mission field, right? Is it caring for a foster child, a neighbor, or a single mom maybe that I know that needs help? Or an an elderly person? So let's just close our eyes and just take a minute. I'll watch the clock. Let's just ask God, God, what is my mission field? Yeah, God, I just thank you so much for for speaking, God. And I just, yeah, I just ask you, would you speak to us? Maybe we already know, but maybe some of us don't know. What is it that you're asking me to do? What is my mission field? God, I thank you so much for this church, for these beautiful people that you've placed here. I thank you for everything that they do. I thank you that they're bringing the kingdom here in this community, in Chewila and Addie and Colville, this entire area. God, and I pray that you would continue to use them, that you would protect them, Father, from the lies of the enemy, that you would protect their children, God, and their grandchildren. And God, I thank you so much for their hearts, God, even for supporting people like me and the other missionaries that are out there. God, that we couldn't do it without them, with their pr- without pra- their prayers and support. And God, I bless them today, God, and just, yeah, just thank you so much for their lives. In Jesus' name. Yeah, I just want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for, like I said before, for all of your prayers, all of your support. And I just want to encourage us, it's something that, it's not for me, I had prayed, God, what should I share today, is just be, just be obedient and active wherever your area of influence is, whether it's your children, your neighbor, whoever it is, just the people around you. And I, yeah, thank you so much for, 
for everything. Thank you, Tiffany. I was actually this morning I was thinking about the Apostle Paul and doing a little reading, and um, <clears throat> you touched on some key things. I'll just say this as the kids are coming up and the worship team comes on up that that um, talking about the Apostle Paul, uh, who, as you said, was Saul prior. When he was Saul, he thought Christianity was shameful. That's why he was he was persecuting Christians. He thought he was doing God's will, and he thought it was shameful. Then you get to read in the first chapter of the book of Acts, and what is the first thing that Paul says? He's unashamed. He's unashamed to be a Christian. And uh, uh, what's, wh- what, where's, what's the transition line? Exactly what you said. God revealed himself to him, and that's what we need to continue to pray, uh, not only for you and your ministry, uh, but as you said, for all of our missionaries and as a church we need to be actively looking and searching and what is God revealing to us like you said what's our mission field uh, uh, where has God called us where is God revealing himself to people uh, find those things see what God is doing and let's jump on board would you stand as we close with our last song of